Welcome to the Onassis Air Conversations. My name is Mirto Katsimicha. I'm a curator and cultural worker based in Athens and your host in this series of recorded encounters with the participants of Onassis Air. Founded on the principles of learning and doing with others, Onassis Air is an international research residency program in Athens initiated by the Onassis Foundation in 2019. They say that what happens in one place stays in that place. I cannot find a better way to describe all the things that have been happening inside the Onassis Air House since I first entered as a participant of the Critical Practices program in fall 2019. The truth is, it is not easy to transmit an open-ended process of relationing which is very personal and relevant to a specific place and moment in time. How can I then give you a glimpse into that process? Everything starts with a conversation. Throughout this series, I'll be speaking with the Onassis Air participants to shed light on their artistic practices and needs, as well as to reflect on ways of being and working together. In this conversation, I'll be speaking with Marc Delalonde. Marc is a curator, cultural worker and researcher working at the intersections of arts, community building, environmental philosophy and political ecology and is currently based in Athens. Marc is a participant of the School of Infinite Rehearsals Movement 3, which revolves around a collective research on issues of ecologies as well as human and more than human interactions. Today, we will talk together about art and ecology by discussing his research into the scientific concept of symbiosis and its application in the sociocultural framework through the notion of symbio-art. Mark, welcome to Palirum. Thank you for having me. Mark, um, it's a pleasure to have you here today. Um, I will start with your background. Um, you have a background in classical studies with a focus on how ancient cultures were used to shape social representations. And then you continued your studies in cultural management in order to research further our contemporary cultures by examining the intersections of art and ecology. I'm very interested to know what instigated this turn and how your decision to move to Athens is perhaps linked to that. Right. So, yes, indeed, I have a background in uh, history and more specifically in ancient history and ancient cultures, which um, I was uh, studying in a master in Toulouse in France in 2014, and that is what led me to Athens in 2015. Uh, it was an international master, so we could choose one of our partner universities, and I chose Athens um, because it, it made sense for me. I was closer to the subject I was studying in my thesis, and I had been doing ancient Greek for six years. I was very curious to know how modern Greek uh, sounds. You know, I was very attracted to Greece, so I chose to come to Greece and wrote my thesis here uh, while doing, you know, classes at ECPA University. Then I went back to France, presented it. It went really well. They offered a PhD, but I 
felt like I was done with history because throughout my year in Athens and even a bit before, I was going through, um, you could say, an ecological awakening or awareness. And I was feeling that, you know, I was done with studying the past and wanting, wanted to do something for the present. Which is not to say that history is useless, of course, but I, I needed to do something more um, impactful, maybe. And why in Athens? Well, for multiple reasons. But after a year here, I felt that my experience here was not done, that I was feeling at home here, and I, I, that I had way more to learn. So I came back to Athens and started doing a, a relevant job just to take time to think of what's next for me and what, what how could I deal with ecology um, how did this um, awakening as you mentioned started for you I mean what were there any specific texts that you came across that were kind of inspiring for you um, it was more I think in 2014 when having you know, my friends being vegetarians or also mostly watching conspiracy and this kind of, you know, documentaries that, you know, they're made to, you know, to awake you and in a way that is maybe a bit too much, but at least then you do research and you understand things. So I would say it started from there and then slowly, you know, you read everything and you go further and further in the subject. I would say that's how it happened for me so so yeah i was thinking how can i engage with that i don't want to you know work for greenpeace and collect money in the street that's not something i feel like i can do and at some point i remember here in athens visiting a festival of uh, arts and for the first time seeing artworks that were tackling climate change issues and i remember it clicked in my mind um because i in, when I was doing ancient history, I was studying how culture um, can shape cultural representations, um, can change them in a way, articulate new ones. And I was seeing that happening through art in, in, in our contemporary world. So I thought this is something I can contribute to, not as an artist, but as, you know, as the person organizing this kind of events. Or, And that's how I... I turned to cultural and artistic management, uh, which I went back to France to, you know, study this as a master and started uh, researching uh, the intersections of art and ecology uh, in a thesis, um, which I did in Athens, talking with a lot of artists here, of institutions, curators, trying to understand what was going on and to kind of put it in dialogue with all the books and research I had read on the subject. And when I finished that, I started to work um, in projects that involved art and ecology and to slowly develop a curatorial uh, thinking and approach. And this is when I slowly turned to environmental philosophy um, because I had this idea of, you know, what can, what can I do to, uh, to, to work on the representations of our society? Um, it, what I was doing was interesting, but it was not, you know, tackling the root cause of, of the problem, in my opinion. 
And I remember it all started with reading Staying with the Trouble from Donna Haraway, because I understood a lot of things um, in her thinking um, of the Anthropocene as not an era, but a rapture, which, you know, it's up to us how long is this rapture going to be, you know. She proposes new narrative, uh, you know, Dr. Luthien scene. And I thought it was really interesting. And it was also my first encounter with the word symbiosis, um, which uh, was very interesting to me. And I started to research it, to research it, to read uh, Lynn Margulis's work. Lynn Margulis is a scientist. Uh, she was actually, her thesis was quite rejected at the time by the scientific community. And now it's widely accepted, but she basically showed that Darwin was wrong, that competition is not the key to survival, that cooperation is actually the key to of evolution. Um, and so that was really mind-blowing to me to read. And so I wanted to continue in this direction, and that's how I came across... Um, Glenn Albrecht's work. So Glenn Albrecht is an Australian philosopher and for the past 15 years he's been working on um, what he calls earth emotions uh, and that all started with his concept of solastalgia that you may know. Um, and 10 years ago he developed the idea of the symbiocene much like the Chulucene of, of Haraway as a, as a new meme for society. Um, to envision an era of, of symbiosis, of uh, companionship between the human and the non-human, of living together, you know, an era where life on Earth isn't destroyed by humans, but nurtured. And I found this narrative beautiful. I wanted to promote it. Are there specific Earth emotions in his uh, theory? Because I'm not familiar with uh, his writings. Yes, he, they're all gathered in a book he published in 2019, which is called Earth Emotions, New Words for a New World. And after Solastalgia, basically he understood that it's a whole um, field, you know, which he calls psychotheratics. So all the emotions that describe um, your relationship with the earth and its current state. So solastalgia is one. It is the nostalgia of the solace that a place was bringing you. It is the lived experience of negative environmental change. Obviously, we know others like eco-anxiety, for example, eco-paralysis. So he coins a lot of um, new negative ones but also positive ones, uh, such as solifilia, the love and responsibility for a place, the will to care for it and to act, uh, ecophilia, um, other, like, I, I, there's at least 10 or 15 of them, I don't remember them all, but it's, uh, I think it's very interesting work. 
I think uh, being interested in language myself, I think one of the first, um, uh, if if we manage to change language uh, and create, you know, new words to describe what we're going through or what we wish to achieve, language is a tool that we can use towards this change. Yes. Um, I remember the... Um, the text Poetry is Not the Luxury by Afro-feminist Audrey Lord. She says that poetry is a way to put into words what doesn't exist so that what doesn't exist can be thought. I hope I'm uh, faithful to her sentence, but it's the idea of language helps articulate ideas so you can actually think about those ideas and ideas lead to action. In your practice, uh, I understand that care and interconnectedness and solidarity plays a huge role and uh, you're interested in developing ways to reconnect humans with the earth through art as a key to initiate society societal change and in fact uh, and please correct me if uh, the date is wrong in 2018 uh, together with a group of young people you initiated generation symbiosine which is a community of young citizens experimenting with artistic tools to cultivate a symbiotic relationship between humans and nature and generate a renewed narrative that places care and response ability in the forefront 2019 yes and um, yes responsibility which uh, is a term i got from haraway the ability to respond as well as responsibility so uh, while reading about this initiative i was particularly struck by the term symbioart um, which to my understanding attempts to introduce a more effective approach to the practice of art making And I'm very curious to know what is the story behind Generation Symbiocene and what are the main methodologies you've used so far to explore how art can contribute to ecology? That's a big question. Um, thanks. Um, so maybe I'll start briefly with the story behind Generation Symbiocene. Um, It springs from my reading of, of Albrecht's book, which short after I came across um, an open call for sociocultural project ideas in the frame of a program called Start. And it, you know, I, I had this idea of putting the symbiosis into actions somehow. Um, so I articulated uh, quite badly, if I remember well, a project around the symbiosis, which was selected. And um, so I went off to Germany for two months. And this is uh, where I really shaped um, the framework of, of, of this project. And it all started with um, contacting Glenn Albrecht and Um, telling him that I've been reading him for a while and that I want to translate his ideas and his concepts into a curatorial um, project, into a sociocultural project. 
So we talked um, about, you know, the name, uh, some de linguistic details also. Uh, it was very interesting. And in his book, um, he talks about generation symbiosis, generation S, which um, he thinks of as not um, defined by your age. It's not an age group like Gen X, Y or Z. Gen S is basically everyone that um, loves the earth and wants to care for it and wants to usher in the symbiosis. And yes, it's led by the young, um, mostly Gen Z, as we've, we've seen in Fridays for Future, you know, Extinction Rebellion. Um, but it's, it's open. And so that's how, you know, I had the idea of what if we gathered Generation S in Athens, you know, and that's, that's, the basis of, of the project. That's how Generation Symbiosin um, came to exist in Athens. What exactly did you did you do here? What kind of actions did you do? So um, on there was two pillars, if I could say, and one was to gather this community. That was the most important. So we did um, we went out there <laughs> and we did, you know, open meetings um, to, to build this community. So pe young people mostly would come uh, to these open meetings and, and we would talk about what, like, what does the symbiosis mean? What is symbiosis? But also, and mostly, what do we want to do together? What would make sense and how could we use, well, art or creativity to raise awareness, reconnect with nature I'm putting brackets to the word nature, um, and to others, you know. So this is mostly what we were doing uh, uh, as a community. But um, it was also, um, a, a big part of the project was also workshops, which for me was um, very interesting because this is where I could develop this curatorial uh, thinking of, of the symbio art, which I coined from uh Glenn Albrecht's thinking um, and for, for me symbio art is as you say a more effective approach to art making but uh, quite literally it's the art of living together with symbio of making together with life others in harmony and um, it's and with care you know for otherness um it's um, for me an, an art of uh, fostering emotional symbiosis between between the human and the non-human world, um, between humans and their communities, their places and other communities that live there, be them human or not. Um, so yeah, so I see it as the basically in Harawi's words, the art of actively seeking kinship with the world. And so in this frame, we did a few workshops and maybe I can talk about one or two. Um, and I want to talk about symbiography because this is actually the word that inspired me to coin symbio art. Symbiography was coined by Albrecht in his book. It's the first chapter. And basically he describes um, what has influenced his relationship with the earth. That's what symbiography means. It's not an autobiography. It's not about yourself only. It's about the togetherness in yourself, in, uh, of your life. So how he coins the word, it's this, the cumulative influences that have shaped 
one's view of humans relationship with the living and so this for me was very inspiring and i could see the workshop behind this you know so uh, i did a first experiment of this in hamburg and then we did we did it twice in athens basically it's 10 people because we want to keep it intimate um who don't know each other though we gather we start engaging with the world around through our senses with others here we share memories through different kind of exercises and we start writing excerpts of our symbiographies obviously not the full one because it's it would be too long but it the yeah ba very basically it's about remembering people uh, non-human animals even plants um, experiences places Uh, that have shaped the way you relate to the world, the living world, what's, again, with brackets, we call nature. Um, and that was really beautiful. We gathered a lot of text. We made a small book out of it. And um, yeah, I think we had a really interesting and great time doing this. Another example that I could give you of methodologies Um, because that's uh, interesting when you ask me um, how art contributes to ecology um, and that in a lot of ways you know art is uh, for me it's essential because it can it can visibilize it can create dialogue it can make ideas accessible it can develop new pedagogies um, it can be a space for exper experimenting um, can empower But what I wanted to do through Symbio Art is use art to unveil, um, identify, and also affect and change the way we feel about the world, how we can connect with the rest of the living. And one other example then is a symbiokinesis, um, which I coined with the idea of, you know, moving together with. Um, and... For me, it was uh, how can we use our body to understand the concept of ecological self, eco-self, instead of ego-self. Because as a body, we are both a community of microorganisms living together, you know, microbes, bacteria, fungi, vir viruses. But also as a body, we are a member of a wider biological community. We interact with other bodies all the time. We need them. And so how through moving your body in the space with, you know, guided exercises and storytelling, how can you um, articulate better those two levels? And it was really interesting because my idea at the beginning was we are 20 people and we basically dance in a park. But due to COVID, it changed and it became even more interesting to me. Um, what we did was we created an audio with the artist, um, Arya Bubaki. Um, and people would um, register and receive the audio. And so on the same day, at the same hour, everyone would go to his favorite or her favorite um, natural space, put your headphones on and start the experience. And so you would have people in Athens, like in Lekavitos, uh, Philopapu, but also like in Piraeus, in uh, Tinos, in Rhodos, in Crete, in Kavala, and in Canada, dancing together to the same, you know, exercises at the same time, but in a different space. And 
you know, following the lines like of the environment with your own body lines. For example, I'm I'm doing a mountain or whatever. You know, you kind of try to find harmony and interact. For me, it was really powerful uh, as an experience. While you're talking, um, I'm thinking how challenging it uh, must have been to... Uh, I'm sure this is something that you've, uh, you've thought through. How to um, engage people that aren't already aware or conscious about uh, all these issues that you've been talking about. And I find it interesting going through the different workshops that you did uh, while researching about this project, that you're using a wide range of uh, methodologies that perhaps activate different senses and uh, are not strictly art, art in the strict sense, which could be a way to um, reach people that are not particularly aware of um, you know, the discourse that we've been talking about. Exactly, yeah. We had, for example, people that came to an event, a workshop because it was about bird watching. But in fact, we were talking about, you know, identifying with birds and trying to like disanthropocenter the perspective. And that, you know, that was not something that you usually do when you do bird watching. Um, yeah, or people who came to the music workshop because, you know, it's it's fun. You learn to use a, a new instrument, but you do that in a park with others and in ways that is a lot about also um, listening to the symbiosis. And you're starting new conversations with people that you don't know, which is, I mean, this relational aspect, I find it very, very uh, interesting. So um, I remember that you also did a symbiography workshop uh, for us in uh, during your curated day, or kind of very small, a yeah. short version. <laughs> um, and I think I've mentioned this before, but uh, the use of storytelling as a tool reminded me of uh, Joseph Campbell's theory of the archetype of the hero, which uh, basically refers to. The, a common pattern found in all, and I'm putting brackets here, great stories, uh, where we observe the universal journey of a hero who enters a life adventure and through suffering he manages to reach a state of knowledge that allows him or her to return to a state of bliss. And I think this is one uh, problem problematic aspect of our story in brackets as a species because we tend to live usually in a future sense, while the story continues to develop in the present. Yes, you're right. Um, and this is dangerous because this time we're not the hero in the sense that we have to stop, you know, believing that we'll be victorious in the story as we always are without, you know, bringing real change collectively. So I would like to go back to the School of Infinite Rehearsals, which you are part of, and uh, which had a specific focus on the notion of ecologies. And I was wondering, since you were already involved and active already in, in the community through Generations in Biocene, what prompted you to apply for this program? I applied 
a year ago in the first lockdown while in the heat of you know organizing gen s as a project the workshops and mostly i remember thinking that you know in a year from now maybe it would be nice to refresh a little bit my practice and my thinking because I was feeling I was going deep into like symbiosis and, um, you know, these kinds of ideas. But ecologies is such a wider idea, you know, even like anymore. It doesn't mean anything anymore. You know, we use it as environment, which also doesn't mean anything. So I was thinking, you know, it would be nice to confront my vision, my practice, my readings with other people that also uh, work on those subjects in a daily basis with other tools. Do they read the same things as me? Do they think about what, you know, what's relevant and what's not in the same way as I do? I uh, was reading the open call and it, it was manipulating ideas that I've, I was feeling um, attracted to. And so, yeah, no, it, it just made sense for me. Yeah. And during this uh, six-week uh, period that just ended, actually, how did you see, uh, in the end, your individual practice merging with uh, the collective practice of the group? Well, as a curator you i feel more like a researcher you know most of my practice is actually reading and digesting books and complicated theories and actually before the residency i the last book i read was bodies of water by astrida neimanis which she published in 2017 and it was very interesting reading i remember it left me like it opened, you know, new path in my mind, which is what I love about reading. But, you know, I kind of forgot about it after then, after that, and, you know, started the residency. And I remember observing um, the dynamics of the group, the talks that were happening in our four first brainstormings, in our first workshops, uh, we went to Aegina, we shared our practices. And when we finally sat down and, you know, said, so what, are, what is our research focus? Um, I remember thinking about water immediately because it was something that on the very first days emerged as a binder in our group. Um, and I was seeing different e ecologies of water unfold in our collective practice. Um, there was this, first there was the kind of a social ecology of water with water as an element of community life and care. You know, we had this ritual from the very beginning of offering glasses of water to everyone all the time. And tea. <laughs> And tea, tea making was a huge thing as cooking and, and also cleaning. Like a lot of, of um, collective um, doing was revolving around water. We had also a political ecology of water flowing in our discussion. 
Um, it started with um, uh, also Aegina, with the scarcity of water there for irrigation on, you know, the pistachios, but also with uh, our convener, James Bridal, and, and his uh, building of uh, a, like DIY desalinization system of, of seawater. And so water as an economic resource, wa water as a political value, when we talked about where to go next, Stayates was a lot in our minds because there, water is privatized. It's chemicalized. Uh, Prespa was on our mind too, and that's where we went eventually, uh, because there, water is a border, which, uh, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's not an easy thing to understand, for me at least. There also was something about like an, an emotional or mental ecology of water, because we started the residency with Medea, this huge snowstorm in Athens, like we have not seen in years. Uh, and we, you know, so that means we started with being super happy and joyful, uh, you know, going outside on, on the snow. Then we went to Aegina, we actually swam in the sea. And uh, so, yeah, there was this, this uh, also this thing about water as a source of um, joy and pleasure. And last, um, there we talked about some some kind of philosophical ecology of water um i remember that very early on we were always saying we 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 and at some point we stopped and we asked ourselves and that lasted for the whole residency but who is this we and that reminds me of of um a feminist um adrian rich's word which I don't remember it what in what text, but she said, the problem is we didn't know who we meant when we said we. And so that led also connected to water, water as hydrocommons, water as a shared property, water as the constituent of our body. So when I was thinking about all that, I connected it to obviously to uh, bodies of water that I just I had just read and brought it to the table and um, you know from from this idea of water as a something that we were very much involved in in this residence it became through brainstorming how how can we develop a research based on water as a medium and then um, if I remember correctly, you made uh, this huge list with the different properties of water uh, to try to understand um, what things attracted each one of you the most and what resonated with you and what kind of research path you wanted to take in the end. Um, so which water quality resonates with you the most? Um, I'm trying to find the right word. It's hard to, to tell only one, but I would say water as a connector. Um, um, as, you know, this idea of permeability. And this relates a lot to the idea of transcorporeality, which is a concept coined by feminist Stacey Alimo. And it's the idea of, you know... Um, that water goes, so trans across corporeality bodies. Water 
cross over bodies it moves between bodies um the bodies that the water that are right now as we are talking about in our bodies come from somewhere like i'm drinking a glass of water and then it will go elsewhere um this idea of you know it's everywhere the same but it's different because embodied um and i was also so you asked for one but the second one would be also the character like the primal it's maybe it's not the right word but water as a as an emotion trigger um hmm. how do you think about that well if you like if you are in contact with a body of water you feel something generally if think about when it rains how it makes you feel when you see the sea when you bathe in the sea when you hear a river flow when it snows and you are walking in the snow hmm. you feel things and that was really interesting to me also because of my practice that revolved around earth emotions i started to think hmm, what about water emotions what about this wateriness of the self. And this is what I'm writing about um, for the publication of this residency. And so you decided to go to Prespes, which is a rather contested site for, um, from many perspectives, political, ecological. Um, you, you will tell me more. Um, you did this field trip as a group to further expand your research into water and I, I, I would ask you, what bodies of water were you able to trace there? Prespes was definitely a really good choice for uh, non-anthropocentric research, which is what we wanted to do. You know, with the notion of, of bodies of water, we go beyond the human. And so in Prespes, I would say... We've seen them all. Even on the way, we've seen thermal springs. And there we saw giant bodies of water. And I mean, obviously, the lakes, the waterlands. We've seen running bodies of water, rivers, streams. We've seen condensated bodies of water in suspension, clouds, fro fog, mist. We've seen living bodies of waters, some of them animals, humans, lots of dogs, cats, pigs, endemic cows, pelicans, cormorants, many more. We've seen plants, reeds, lots of reeds, um, lichens in symbiosis with their trees, moss. We've seen fungi a lot of mushrooms we actually went mushroom picking so yeah a, a huge variety of bodies of water Prespes is for me it, it looks um, a lot like a hotspot of i want to say bio symbiodiversity right there was a lot of symbiotic relationships going on there interestingly though i have seen no fish in this trip, which, you know, it was kind of what I was primarily expecting, but yeah. What stays with you? What, what what stayed with you when you came back? So we went there with some um, ideas and hypotheses, um, which 
a lot of them proved right, but some also proved wrong. Um, I think one of the uh, important fi finding that I keep is no two, maybe two. I would say first, this is a place where I was expecting to see a lot of and hear a lot of um, anxiety and solastalgia. Um, because, you know, I'm thinking climate change, probably the lake is decreasing, uh, probably biodiversity is, fo is crushing. And actually what I've seen there was um, very beautiful solifilia. So basically people there, scientists, citizens, fishermen, collaborate to maintain the the biotope of the lake um, they decide together whether the level of the lake should be up or a bit further down there's a lot of conflict of interest obviously but it's you know this community of people that have um, succeeded basically in saving a species because the um, wild pelican were disappearing and now in Perespes it's the biggest colony of the planet Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so that was really interesting um, to me. And um, maybe I would say that's the biggest, that the thing that, you know, stays with me. And then obviously this thing with the border was really interesting. What does it mean and what's the difference between the watery part of the border and the land part? And there is a lot of difference because you can differentiate the lands you can plant different things and stuff but the water i mean the albanian water is the greek water is the north macedonian macedonian water yeah it's how a, can you put a, a divider you cannot in the water you know and it's invisible and uh, obviously it's invisible we'll, we've looked at the tri point but it's you know basically you see the golem grad island uh and you know it's somewhere over there But it makes no sense, you know. I mean, I you, I cannot underst understand this. You know, you it's 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 very fluid. It's uh, it's a not the way we think of a border usually. Hmm. Mark, uh, we are reaching the end of our discussion, uh, but before we say goodbye, I'm very curious to know what's next for you now. Um, I'm in a bit of a transitory phase, I would say. I think this um, this research and writing that I'm doing um, for the publication, uh, revolving around this uh, concept of of watery self, watery emotions, is really interesting to me, and I might want to dig further into that in the future. And why not? think about ways to intersect this with with symbio art practices that could be interesting formats and experiences so yeah we'll see well um it's been a great great pleasure to uh talking with you today and thank you so much for all the reflections and the energy that you brought in this room i'm ready to go downstairs and put you a new glass of water <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot Mirta. it was lovely Thank you for listening. If you want to listen to more conversations, please subscribe to our channel. 
You can find more about the UNASSE residency program and each participant at www.onasses.org. This series is produced by UNASSE Thanks to Nikos Kolias, the sound designer of the series, and to Nikos Liberis for providing the original music intro theme. 